Hey, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Connection podcast. MWCConnection.com, that's our website. Off-season, off we're making it through. Matt Kennerly and myself, Jeremy Moss. Uh, draft weekend is over. Did you, did you survive the draft weekend, Matt? I did survive. Just maybe not in the way that we expected. Day three was exciting. <laughs> it, well, even before that, which we'll get to in a moment, there was, a, well, I don't know if necessarily, I don't know if excitement is necessarily the word. Um, maybe a little bit of controversy that we didn't expect. There's a lot of controversy going on. Lots of controversy. Oh, man. First off, I, before we get to that, like on day two, did you think there might be one, thought there might be one or two players chosen on Friday? Like Nico Saragusa, maybe Jeremy McNichols or DeMonte Casey. Were you... What level of surprise were you that nobody got picked on day two? I mean, I was pretty surprised because, you know, those three guys you mentioned, I thought, or maybe even, you know, let's not forget about Donnell Pumphrey as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, you know, among those four guys, I think there was a consensus that those were the most likely bets to be that guy who gets picked up in the third round. And, you know, I guess as, as it turned out, you know, the the fact that everybody was talking about how this was a historically deep draft, you know, that, you know, a lot of teams were getting first round value in the second round and stuff like that. You know, you know, that kind of thing cascades. And maybe that is the primary reason why most or you know, pretty much all of these guys went a little bit later than we expected them to. I think the deeper positions were running back clearly and defensive backs were deep as well, like cornerback mm-hmm. specifically. And so you see, like, the run of players. Like, Pumphrey's the first running back off the board. Then you had um, Brian Hill. The McNichols went later. But let's get to the controversy. Saturday morning, I'm hopping on Twitter. I'm like, what Air Force what are you doing? I, we, we're trying to still find all the details after those two days. But Air Force, if I'm maybe – correct me if I'm incorrect on this. But for Air Force Academy players to go pro – wasn't it always a case-by-case? Case? There wasn't a hard and fast rule like you have to serve regardless before you could pursue a pro contract? Okay, so I know that there are probably some Air Force listeners out there who will probably get mad that we kind of butcher this a little bit. Dwayne, help us out. We need help. Here's my understanding of this. The way that it always had been is that you know when you graduated from the academy and you wanted to go pro, you had to serve two years. Of, you had to put in two years of service, and you know the recent example that you know when I first heard about it, it was from the Denver Post. So let's uh, shout out um, Nikki Jabvala first of all for being all over this first thing on Saturday morning. But she pointed out, you know, Ben Garland, who was a former Air Force athlete, former lineman, was actually with in the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons this past January. He was signed as an undrafted free agent in 2010, didn't actually get to join the team until 2012, and according to the article that Jabala put up on the post, that he basically has continued his service with the Air National Guard since then. And, you know, other guys before him, you know, Chad Hennings most prominently, have gone through the same kind of process. Or Chad Hall as well, the wide receiver, with the Eagles for a little bit. And what the change was was to enable them to sign a, re- a waiver for something of, what do they call it, the ready reserve, which would let them participate in professional sports while also continuing to serve. And This I is think, like last year as well, correct? About, because there was the baseball player got drafted around the time they made this decision where you'll allow, because they'll allow the players to pursue it if they see a contract available, but to do, like you said, different... Uh, responsibilities in the cast and it was and it was case by case according to the article on the post Mm -hmm. so you know that's the kind of thing that enabled for instance keenan reynolds to you know get drafted by the baltimore ravens and you know be a part of their roster last year and it's the same thing that allowed griffin jacks to be drafted in the third round by the minnesota twins in the mlb draft and most recently as David Ramsey in the Colorado Springs Gazette pointed out, there was a goalie on the Air Force hockey team, Shane Starrett. I'm hoping I pronounce his name correctly, but he signed a two-year deal to play in the minor leagues with the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL. 
So there was an expectation that, you know, anybody who was going to be drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent from the Falcons football team this year, whether that was Robinette or Weston Steelhammer or Ryan Watson, who was getting a little bit of helium Mm -hmm. during the process, that those guys would be able to follow that same path to the pros. And what happened on apparently the day of, was it the day of or the day before the draft started? I think it was the day of. Here's what it says here. It didn't come to light on Saturday, but here's the release from Air Force. I'll read the whole thing because there's some good points I want to mention here, or counterpoints, whatever. So the Air Force notified Academy officials Thursday that the service would not approve requests to waiver active duty military services, service commitments for cadet athletes. Cadets will be required to serve their two years active duty prior to entering, like you mentioned, the ready reserve status, which would permit the participation in professional sports. goes on to say... Um, Air Force places tremendous value on our cadet athletes and their contributions to the nation as we continue to build leaders of character, engage in combat operation overseas, and continue, continue to ensure our highest military readiness. And last year, like I said, last year was a, oh, this is not the statement, but we'll get back to it in a second. But last year in 16, they had the case by case basis, but there'd be no guarantee a commitment would be deferred, which is what case by case is. But if you're a guy, who could get drafted, or the goalie, or the uh, major, um, the, the pitcher for the Air Force Academy? They think, okay, we'll give them an ideal situation to help them out pro career. Because if you think about it, it's this is three players. It is pretty rare for Air Force to have these three players who all have pro potential to have a contract with a pro team to go pursue that. Air Force baseball typically isn't great, despite them having one player this year on a 44 game hitting streak. Mm-hmm. They usually don't have these type of players that are going to go pro. Very few guys. And so what percentage are they missing out on guys who aren't taking their fighter pilot to somewhere in overseas somewhere, whether they're in the thick of it out in Syria or Middle East where there's a lot more conflict, Afghanistan, Iraq, or they're just help wherever they're based at in the U.S. or even internationally. Three guys mm-hmm. out of how many thousands of graduates? And you could argue there's more potential for – exposure, recruitment for these guys being off-season recruitment type guys who, hey, I'm in the NFL and also do stuff for the Air Force, or I'm playing NHL hockey, or I'm in Major League Baseball or something. You would think they would be smart enough to realize there's a bigger opportunity to bring in more potential cadets to your academy. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you go and read the article from the Denver Post, they have like kind of a, a counter argument to why some people were opposed to that change in the first place. And it's interesting because, you know, the quote that they give from this guy who was a Ar- retired Army Lieutenant Colonel, Tom Slayer, and this is from last June. But his quote says that, you know, they, the cadets or, you know, midshipmen or whatever, they, they exist to, to instill young men and women with a mindset of selfless service to the country. There is no other justification for the significant public expense that supports them. Professional football, on the other hand, is about service to oneself. It has its place, but not for academy graduates who haven't fulfilled their obligations to their fellow citizens. Each time one of them leaves early, the ethos diminishes a bit, and the taxpayers are cheated. And my initial... My initial response to that is, have you seen an NFL game lately? Like, have you seen how closely the National Football League likes to align itself with, like, militarism or patriotism, with the giant American flags that they wave, like, you know, every single damn week or something like that? Despite it being paid for, what is it, there's some articles that paid for um, patriotism. Whatever you feel about that, whatever you feel about that, whatever, it's still showing... Hey, we love the USA. That's I don't care if you're paying them or not. It's not a free service. The yes, I get Air Force, Army, Navy pays for that service, or most of it, or some of it. It's still out there. NFL could say no, but it's it's not like there's a relationship, or it's not like there's not a relationship between the National Football League in particular and the and the the armed forces. And How? you know, you take into account like isn't there an armed forces bowl game that's Sponsored and, by what? Northrop Grumman or whatever? And there's a military bowl out in the Yes, there's a military bowl. So it's not like there's a connect it's not like there's not a connection that exists between the two institutions. To me, I think there's there's two really important things to keep in mind here. 
The first is that this decision came from outside the academy. Because I, I forget where I saw the tweet, but there was somebody from KOAA who put this out there that the academy, people within the academy were all for guys like Robinette making the jump to the NFL. Exposure, you know, why not? It brings more eyes to the academy. That's the yeah, point. And I, had, and I had noted on Facebook as recently as five weeks ago was when they held their pro day and they had photos of Robinette and you know Steelhammer and everybody going through workouts for NFL scouts. So it's, there, it's not like the decision came from within. And the second thing is that I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm really I'll, fired up about this. I, so am I. I. I'm very upset about this because two things. Let's go back to the beginning real quick because we're bouncing around. This was done last year, like we said. It was never signed, so it was never an official rule in place. Mm-hmm. And, yes, they had Pro Day. Players um, got flown out to, to um, cities to um, whatever, meet, work out, whatever you do for draft picks. But the timing is total bullcrap in Bush League for them to do this the day of the draft and not really get people get wind of it until the day of when Robinette's going to get picked. That's my problem with this. Like You have Grant Meads from KOAA, a lot of people who are just – even the guy from the who calls the Air Force games, he's retweeted some of our stuff. He had some conversation. Does the um, IMG radio network for Air Force? He's very up in arms as we are for this because it's it wasn't signed, which means okay, but it was assumed it was going to be take place. I, I want to know how this decision came down the day of the draft. How did it come down to this? T- the poor. This is like the worst timing ever. You want to bury news or something? Yeah. It's like I, I, that's what I don't get. Like. When was this decision made to say, hey, this is there's no exemptions no matter what. Here's a reason why. And because this is, I don't think, there's guys that have been drafted, so there's always been exemptions at some point or one another. They've always had to serve here or there. And I get the point. They go to the academy because what the retired army or the guy you quoted before, we know these guys aren't going to the academy to pursue an NFL career. Nobody's yes. that. And there, and there are plenty of that. people out there who are saying, Oh, you know, they should be, like, serving their... Well, yes, of course, cadets, midshipmen, uh, whatever they call them at Army, uh, they're there primarily for service to their country, which is why guys like Robinette are kind of the exception to the rule. And, you know, that's why in my it was my understanding that they made this change for the benefit of those special exemptions, you know, like Hennings and... Um, what's the guy's name? I'm, I'm, Good guy from the picture. The guy from the Falcons, whatever. Uh, Garland. Oh, Garland, Garland. Oh, Garland. Yes, Garland. And in this particular draft class, Robinette and Steelhammer and Ryan Watson. My concern, or my concern, is not with the fact that they are doing anything other than what they're primarily there to do. They are there to serve their country, and that's to be commended. And I'm not arguing that point. It's like you said, the timing is like the worst possible timing because how much money do the i know they have agents but it's there's a cost to train off season like his i don't know where the cost would come in but agents typically upfront your cost for travel and stuff where you're prepping for the nfl i know robinette these guys were very likely in school so that cost could have been minimal but there's cost involved for bringing an agent they'll get you stuff to help you out they you get flown to places typically the agent helps pay for that you work out facilities you get a guy to in Denver or wherever you're working out in the state to go when you're off time. There's cost to that, and those it comes out of agent and player, so you got to feel for those guys as well because, yeah, the if you're representing Robinettes, you figured, okay, it's a decent draft pick if you're a newer NFL agent or that's the guy you have, a Colorado-based guy. You're out of luck as well where you lose out on money too, but it's just a... I, it's a I, bummer is what it is. It, yeah, it's just overall it's terrible because... There was, like we said in our pre-draft show, there was a couple mock drafts super early, having Robinette being a top 60 pick. And I yeah, felt he also had the most upside out of any player in the draft of, the, of this team, of the conference. I felt Robinette had the most chance to improve his stock. Maybe not be the best player, but going from this offense to an NFL-based offense, I figured he had the most to grow and gain and possibly be the best player out of this out of this draft class. Yeah, and and it seems like at least according to Pro Football Talk, like the the coaching staff is frustrated by this too. Like we're talking about Troy Calhoun, who you know apparently I think it was in the uh, Gazette article has said that they've started kind of shifting their recruiting strategy 
with this change in mind to let people know, yes, if you work hard enough and you are good enough, this kind of thing is a little more of a possibility than it would have been five years ago, two years ago, a year ago. And Mm -hmm. that's just, I don't know. I don't want to say it's unfair because like I said, their primary responsibility is to the country that they're there to serve. But it's just, yeah, like something happened in Washington that just doesn't feel right. If you're a football fan, if you're an Air Force fan, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah, because even Calhoun, he played court. What did he play quarterback at the academy? He's been in the NFL. He's yes. done all this before. And it, again, it goes back to my point where <sighs> timing is obviously clearly the culprit here. And we don't know who made the decision because, like you said, this came above the academy's level. So we talked before, like, we know when the, we got the new president in office, there was a hiring freeze for all these jobs, which people thought was terrible. So. We, I don't know. I don't know too much about that. Outside saying there's a hiring freeze for government jobs for outside of like cabinet members or extremely high level people who work with the president, but that hiring freeze had to have some effect as well because somebody had to make the decision, and it seems like it did not come from the local level there in Colorado Springs. Yeah, and you know one of our one of our Twitter followers actually noted that at the moment there is no permanent secretary of the Air Force. There's an acting secretary of the Air Force, but there's no one that's been installed in that into that position. And, you know, we haven't figured out yet whose call it actually was, but I feel like that disconnect, there is some there is some influence there. Like somebody made that call and basically screwed these guys. Yeah, it's I don't know what's next because I don't know why he's not because I don't know what the rights are for an undrafted player to be signed. Like, can you hold on to the rights for X amount of time? Because you um, like, said Ben Garland got signed as a UDFA, did his service, and then went up went with the Falcons and got a contract. Is now doing quite well. Yeah. So, uh, uh, according to Jabvala, what he did was he signed in 2010, and then the NFL, I guess, has a reserve slash military list. Okay. And he served his two years while being on a part of that list. So I guess it's kind of like the old reserve clause in baseball where they have your right, the rights to your contract in perpetuity, although I guess it's for the two years that the, the yeah. service demands. Or like the uh, more, re- more probably prominent example, the retired list NFL where he's still on a team like Marshawn Lynch, who was technically mm-hmm. still part of the uh, Seahawks roster, but retired reserve list or something. So it's probably like that, but if that's the case, he should still be signed by somebody, you would think, right? Like, this, if you go, I know there's all this bad publicity for the Air Force Academy. He has talent. Why is he not picked up by a team at this point, if there, if that clause is still in the, in the, in the books to have? And that's a really good question, because we'll, we maybe we can get to it later in our podcast, but, you know, there are already at least a dozen other Mountain West athletes who have signed undrafted free agent contracts and many more who have, you know, the announcements have started to come out that they're going to be getting tryouts for different teams. And yeah, it is kind of surprising that even despite the decision that nobody has stepped up to sign him yet, you know, as kind of like a, you know, a project kind of player, because, you know, there was probably not going to be that much expectation that he would play a significant amount this year anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's still going to have those same raw tools two years from now. And so I don't understand that either. Yeah, this is just, oh, man, this is just a mess overall. There's not much more we can say without knowing everything. It's just, here's what, one last thing on this. There, you would think, why isn't there a universal type thing from the, any academy? Because also you see the Olympics, like, look at the sharpshooters, like, in the artwork. Whatever the archery, I think there's a lot of army guys in there. I don't know how many are current or very recent graduates, but there's got to be a thing in place where if a guy has the potential to be picked or sign a deal, give him the opportunity for X amount of time to make a roster, build up base. I know baseball is interesting in minor league deal, but there's off season stuff they do. Can't they? Because it's a two year commitment. Why can't they not necessarily even defer it, but count the days so what is it seven whatever two years is per days you count those days or hours but it might not be like a five-year thing where during the off season not like not when you're already working actually to do your craft everything but off season 
you're doing reserve stuff for a recruiter. I know it's a different type of work, but it's still beneficial. And then maybe they do that for four years or they do that up until they realize there's not a chance to play in the NFL or Major League Baseball. Then they go to their actual, what they went to school for. That would, I don't see, I just don't see the downside because this makes the academy look very bad, even if it wasn't their decision. But the, like the quote where he said cheating the taxpayers, I don't see how that's accurate or relevant at all for that retired military guy because I get it. You go to school for free and you're not free, but you're basically debt to school is doing a minimum two years. Yeah. And, and by the way, you're going to serve your country after you. So it's not like going to get a job in the private sector or anything like that. It's not like getting a scholarship to Harvard or, you know, anywhere else in the mountain West for, for that matter. Yeah. Cause you're going to serve regardless. Cause and you're, yeah, you're going to serve regardless whether you start out doing that. They went to the academy for reason. They go to football because, hey, I can play football and do this. Because mm-hmm. getting getting a free education, that's something that would be amazing to do. It would be awesome to have. And it's just – see, there's just – I don't know what else to say. It's just terrible time because, like I said, Keenan Reynolds got the option to do that, to other things. But there's ways to benefit, like I said, more high-profile the academy to get there. And I know – you said Troy Calhoun just is recruiting a little bit. I think I mentioned the last year when this came out that maybe what would they really get? A guy who has offers from Washington State or Utah State or Boise State or Tulsa to come to your school instead of going to those other places that, oh, they might have a shot to go to the NFL. It's what, one or two guys a year at most that would come? I don't. You wouldn't see Air Force start being a top three recruiting class in the Mountain West because there's a chance to go to the pro level because there's still the restrictions on your height, weight, physical fitness. Obviously, a football player, you should be in that shape. Lineman, who, well, some offensive linemen are big fat guys, but you're still in somewhat of a sh- athletic shape. They weren't going to bring in all these guys who are three stars or above to come in, and so I don't know. Let's just move on because I'm just going to get more there frustrated are, and yell. Two small things. Um, well, maybe they're not small. <laughs> Did ESPN ever actually mention that every single time they showed Jalen Robinette on the camera? Oh, that's right. No, I actually didn't watch a time while I've focused mostly online stuff like CBS or whatever. But you mentioned us. They had a camera in his house on day three. It's yeah, I made, I made a joke that like if they hadn't fired everybody the <laughs> other day, then somebody might have noticed that um, they kept going to him and like his like everybody. I felt really bad because everybody looked yeah. really bummed out. Did somebody not cue them in to say, hey, maybe we should just wrap this up or something? I I'm don't sorry. know. That's the thing. I saw it twice. And, you know, if you did happen to watch like the last hours of day three, let us know if ESPN or the NFL Network actually did mention that because I don't know that they actually did because they, they talked about him and they talked him up, but it didn't sound like they had any idea that this had actually happened. There, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't know, just because he, first off, he wasn't a high, pro, well, I guess high profile enough to be discussed as maybe one of the best remaining players at this position. That's probably why he was brought up or talked about. But there's so much information. But you would think at some point, somebody working, whoever their producer or TV side of PA doing something would realize, or researcher would say, hey, did you guys know this? He's probably not going to be drafted because of this, because this new this rule that didn't get signed. I, that's bad too. Like it's, you're in their house. You realize you're not going to be taken. He's optimistic about it. Like he's not giving up. He put out a message on Twitter. He's going to stick with it clearly. Cause he has talent to be there, but that's it. It's, I don't, maybe they didn't know. Maybe they didn't want to bring it up, but if they kept showing him, you think they would have maybe the second or third time. And the other big thing, which I think is actually kind of ironic, air force, the football team is going to the white house next week to yeah. accept the commander in chiefs trophy so maybe maybe somebody could get donald trump's ear about this thing uh, somebody's here it's i don't may, maybe i don't know would that change anything really given me undrafted deal i don't know if that would change anything would it really honestly i feel like knowing everything that's happened in the first hundred days it would probably just make it worse somehow i can't imagine how Wait a minute. This is the best 100 days ever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I bet, though, and I'm not going to get into that because you and me will just have more passionate conversation about what's going on. But you would think with it being this week, somebody's there's going to be more information come out about this, I'm pretty sure, some form or another. 
Yeah. It's going to be asked about or talked about because it's it's a big deal and it's disappointing because, like I said, he could have been like the best player out of this draft for the Mountain West. I don't think that's too far fetched to say from his talent, skill set, and moving to a an offense that would actually throw the ball more than seven times a game. Mm-hmm. Should we get to the draft picks now? Is that the time? Yeah, let's do that. <sighs> Twenty five minutes of screaming at Air Force Academy. No, no, so, no, 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 not not the academy. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Apologies. The Air Force Command, which is in DC, and all that. Whoever's in charge of this mess. Don't worry, don't worry, uh, Air Force Academy. We got your back. Okay, you want to know what my next biggest surprise was? What is your next biggest surprise? Devontae Mays. What the hell was that? <laughs> okay, so uh, let's let's start there then. Why do you think yeah. it's such a big surprise? Well, a couple reasons. He got drafted. No, like I got somebody got into it on Twitter with us about, hey, where's Devontae Mays? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, because I was working yesterday. I hopped on the train to come home, did my laptop, so I'm following the draft after whatever I was doing. I'm like, what? Mays round seven? Packers? First of all, Packers drafted three total running backs. Yeah. Jamal Jamal Williams, um, BYU. Was it Aaron Jones from UTEP? Is that his name, correct? I believe so. I have UTEP running back. And then Mays. I know the Packers running back situation isn't great. Don Jackson, former Nevada players on there. Ty Montgomery's your starter. They don't have Eddie Lacy. Montgomery's technically wide receiver playing running back. I just think, like, first of all, injury issue with Mays. Like, I was surprised because on Twitter, I'm like, nobody had them up there. Like, it wasn't just us. And the people who want us to be happy, rah, rah, the whole time, come on, we're going to be realistic, right? It was a head scratcher to say the least. We are biased against your team. Let's not forget that. True, yes, and it's good or bad, obviously, but I was just, I put the emoji, like the little thumb emoji into your face, whatever, I'm like, hmm, this is uh, interesting, out there, different, which it was, you can't you can't fault us for saying that is an odd choice. Injuries from his past year, because he was out most of the year, I know he has talent, but when you basically lose your whole senior year, that's a big deal, I, th- I don't think he'll make the Packers roster, I, th- I know he has talent, because we've seen what he can do. But just maybe my thoughts more of this senior year where he was just awful because of injury issues and he could never get back on track. And it didn't help the offensive line for Utah State was terrible also. I wonder if some of it maybe has to do with the track record that Utah State has established in, you know, creating relatively well-regarded runners like, you know, Robert Turbin, Kerwin Williams, and so on. And I think it's worth noting that when he's been healthy he has been really good like if you go back to 2015 like he finished just under a thousand yards but he did it in just 165 carries and he averaged like six yards a carry and he never fumbled one time in his two years as an off and on starter for the Aggies and I think that those things are significant and I think that when you take into account like what he did during his pro day he did open some eyes did he not he did yeah that's what the guy pointed to me i'm like yeah we looked at his pro day stuff but again like i look at pro football focus cbs sports everywhere you look the espn si fox nobody had him as like even i don't even think a top 30 running back yeah it might be true that's my thing it's like that's why i was very so surprised by this because it caught like cbs gave them a d a d for that grade Part of it could have been, hey, you're, why are you dra- running back? you third running back. you third running back, you dummies. You already have two other running backs. Why are you getting a third one? But, like, I'm looking at CBS now. I'm, I'm doing this real, on the fly real quick before we move on to the other picks and everything. Mays was ranked by CBS. Lovely. Lovely autoplay. Awesome. That was so loud. They had him ranked as the 47th running back overall. 631st player on CBS's draft board. They must have seen something they liked. and There's no link to click on him for a profile, nor on NFL.com I looked. There, there's there got to be something there, but, like, he – it's just weird. I, it's Whatever, it happened. He got picked. Congratulations. I'm just more concer- confused about the kind of why, kind of why he got picked. What, what, what did they see that we didn't see? Hmm. That's all I'm getting at. And I, I think I know who his agent is, and he chatted with me last year when that first injury happened, it was a pretty severe injury. And so I should ask him, because I think he represents him. Maybe I should ask him about this a little bit. But 
I it's, it was just an odd choice. Like it was a head scratcher by anybody and everybody. And I get Utah State fans awesome. We got got drafted, which congratulations, but it still can be a, a shocking result. Okay, so here's a couple of things that the Packers may have seen. They may have noted his 4.4740 time at the pro day, which is not bad when you consider it, right? Mm-hmm. They may have noted that he finished, you know, he bench pressed. 225 pounds 22 times according to the Deseret News which is you know like lineman strong <laughs> at least at least Utah State lineman strong at the pro day and Pre- also hold on that's 4.1 four t- four times more than Donald Pumphrey who did 5 that's also true <laughs> so I mean when you consider those two things as well like he's got raw tools that are worth something at the next level and if he can prove that he's healthy, that could be one of those things where maybe he's one of those guys like a James Starks who kind of comes out of nowhere and becomes the next big, you know, Green Bay running back that surprises someone for a few weeks. You know, it's not out of the question. It's just going to be really interesting to see how that competition shorts, uh, sorts itself out in the months to come. And I do know by playing fantasy football last year, the Green Bay Packers running situation was weird. But they always go to back sets. Could be it could be a thing as well because, like I said, Montgomery, who is their starter right now, Lacey's gone um, because I forget where he signed with. Right, I think Oakland, maybe I don't recall, but he's more of a receiver type guy. They bring in Jamal Williams as a bigger back. Don Jackson from Nevada is a bigger guy. So if they go more two running back sets, they're probably going to go minimum four deep, maybe five deep for their active roster. Probably four, I'm assuming, because five running backs is a lot to carry per game, but. I think he could beat out Don Jackson. That's one guy's five. If he could beat out maybe Jones from UTEP. He he could he might make the roster. He needs to do some special teams work. Clearly, to make the team to prove some more value. But that's I think the Packers was not. It's while the running situation isn't great. It's a good situation to move up. But like I said, they drafted two other running backs, and that's where it'll be tough for him to make the team. But there are positives there. Like you said, the 2015 year he played well. Pro day numbers were off the charts. And Mike McCarthy, they usually do. They usually draft pretty well overall. The Packers usually know what they're doing. All right, let's go to the top of the draft board really quick. Um, do, do people know the, the order? Do we need to run through that who got picked really quick, or does that really matter at the moment? Do people know? You should well, know, right? Let's, let's give it to them anyway, just in case they didn't get a chance to watch it. All right, Baltimore Ravens took Nico Saragusa, 122. First player off the board. Excellent. Then he had 132. Philly took Donald Pumphrey. Falcons at 149 took DeMonte Casey. Falcons took Brian Hill. Bucks, who love Boise State apparently, took Jeremy McNichols. Um, Tanner Vallejo went to went to Buffalo at 195, and then uh, Chase Roulet went to 199 in Washington. And then Mays was 238. Green Bay, one of the final picks. Do you think the order was correct of maybe the best prospects? I mean, it's hard for me not to, I mean, it's hard for me to find fault with it. Like, I think I said on our preview podcast that I thought KZ would be the first guy taken. But, you know, I think Syracuse is a fine guy to be the first guy taken because I think he's going to a really good situation where he's going to be able to learn from one of the best in the business and Marshall Yanda. Yeah, the Ravens always pick well, and they, with the way they're running the game, obviously go back to the running game because that's what your linemen do. Sarah Goose, what he's a multi-Mountain West all-conference player. He, I, I I, think what I said was I thought a running back could go first, but I think I said the same thing as you. Sarah Goose, Casey, and Mc, I thought McNichols would go higher, but the way Sarah Goose played and he went to the combine, he went to the – what did he go to? East-West game, was that right, I believe? I thought he went to the Senior Bowl, did he not? Maybe that was well, – exactly. Which one of those games? and performed well so him going one it's a good fit and then the eagles take donald pumphrey this kind of feels like if chip kelly was in charge he would have taken him as well <laughs> you think so well pumphrey special teams guy he runs the ball well like he could do a couple things that's why i well, mean he likes guys who can do a lot of different things i mean i think it's pretty smart considering that you know besides ryan matthews who i love the guy but he's never been able to stay healthy who else do they have right now Carson Wentz is their starting quarterback. Okay, so they have Ryan Matthews. They have Darren Sproles, who, by the way, is going to be the perfect guy to learn from. 
Wendell Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood, who's... No, I don't think uh, Matthews is on the roster anymore. Oh, he's not. I'm looking at the Eagles' depth chart right now on ESPN. Maybe it's old, but I don't think Matthews is on that team anymore. Oh, okay. Well, I'm looking at our lads, and it says that he is, so I don't know. Oh, they may have, that might be last year's stuff. Well, you know, ESPN never likes to update their stuff because they fired everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Rip anyway. Brett McGurphy. Sorry, guys. I think it's a good landing spot for Pumphrey because he's going to be able to learn from a guy who has a very similar potential skill set. And even if he doesn't do much more than contribute on, you know, as a, as a punter, a kick returner, and maybe get, you know, six or eight touches a game as the third back, you know, it also wouldn't be surprising if they needed him at some point if Matthews does get hurt again. Well, they also older guys, too. Like, Matthews has been in the league for, what, eight years? Mm-hmm. Seven years? So and he's, also this... he's also going to a really interesting offense, too, because it's not just the running game that has potential to be strong if the guys in front of him are healthy. But let's not forget the Eagles also did sign Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, and they do have a really good line in front of them with guys like Elaine Johnson and Jason Peters. He's going to be fun to watch, I think, if you give him a year or two to kind of get his feet wet. He did. That looks like I'm looking at a couple of things. The Eagles tried to trade to get Dalvin Cook. So maybe they were looking for running backs overall and Pumphrey. Like, well, we'll go Pumphrey instead. I think it's a good pick. It's a good pick because, like you said, he, he can do special teams. He's a smaller guy, but he can run up the middle and do everything he can do. Like, he, even though he's a smaller guy, he can find ways. There's a reason he rushed for over 7,000 yards. Yeah. And also, in the positive side, he's the only running back they chose in this draft which is a big deal because, like I said, the Packers drafting three guys, that's a, he does it. Yeah, Ryan Matthews is on the team, so I don't know what the deal was on ESPN and everything. But maybe he wasn't listed because that herniated disc late in the year. Maybe that's why he wasn't on the depth chart. But it's a good fit for Pumphrey. There's two guys he can learn from, two guys who are not going to be in the league for more than, what, three years max, I'm saying. So there's a chance he could be a key contributor within three years easily. All right, so we got Casey to two of the Falcons. Um, he's just going to make a team, and he's going to be the guy right away to play quite a bit. I don't, I forget about the Falcons, what they all have. They went to the Super Bowl last year, but the way he goes after the ball and and interceptions, pass breakups, it's going to be, it's a nice a nice fit for him, especially in that division. He got he could pick off Drew Brees, Drew Brees maybe a couple times. Cam Newton, come on. Well, he well, and the nice thing is he's not going to have to step in and be the guy because they have you know they pretty much have their starting cornerbacks already in Robert Alford and Desmond Trufant. Yep, Trufant. So you know even if he's not much more than the fourth cornerback, you know in a in a division especially where they might need him sooner rather than later, you know not much is going to be expected of him. I don't think right away, which I think will be good for him in the long run. Because I think for him, one of the things that we talked about in the preview is that he played exclusively on the outside. And that, you know, the transition from San Diego State's defense to, you know, whatever Atlanta's going to be running next year may take a little bit of time to get used to. Yeah. But, you know, you're going to the the defending NFL or the NFC champs, rather. And it's hard to complain with that. Yeah, there's not much help they really need. If they're, you know what I mean? If you're picking 31 or whatever in the draft. So their next pick, they interesting pick. Like I almost, I did an article about who could make the most impact sooner than later. And I was had a d- tough choice between these next two picks. You had Brian Hill is the next pick to the Falcons at 156. The Falcons running game was good last year, but they only have two guys on their team. Like, well, they have, um, who's they have Dante Freeman and Tevin Coleman. I forget, I should have looked this up, but one of the two only has a contract for this one upcoming year, I think. They're both not they're not going to be able to retain both of those guys, Coleman or Freeman. So there's a chance where he could be the number three guy year one and be number two guy next year. Is it uh, is it too soon to make jokes about the fact that they, you know, when they can when they need a yard, they can get a yard now? <laughs> get this get the get this hill guy in there. See what he can do. Yeah, because they'll need one yard and he'll bust out 45. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. sorry, Derek Coleman. Or no, Tevin Coleman and yeah, Devontae Freeman. Yeah, those guys, because uh, it's Coleman who's in the final year of his contract. He's coming up to year four. So he may not be around next year, the year after. And so 
there's a chance for Hill to get a couple of carries here and there, a couple of touches. And then I don't think they'll keep Coleman because he didn't really play that much last year late in the year. They just rode with Freeman. And so maybe he can – I don't know if he'll pass Coleman on the depth chart, but there is a chance that he could compete with him for that maybe later in the year to be the, be the number two guy. But I think he'll – he could see time reasonably early on for – Five down, five, five. And what do you say? About eight snaps a game, maybe the first couple parts of months of the season. See, the way that I see it playing out potentially within a year is, you know, Freeman and Hill. If Coleman ends up leaving and free agency, that they end up being kind of like a better version of Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, because you know Freeman obviously is one of the best running backs in the NFL. But, you know, Brian Hill is going to bring an element of power that I don't think they always had last year. And, you know, they're not going to need him to be a guy who gets a thousand yards because Freeman's that guy. But if he could be a guy who, you know, gets a hundred carries and averages five yards a carry at the next level, or, you know, even like four and a half yards per carry at the next level, I think that the Falcons will be happy with that if they can get that from him within a year or two. I think they will as well. It looks like, yeah, Coleman. Um, oh, actually, I made a little mistake on this. Sorry. He's He has a – I guess they gave it his knob. I'm looking at sport. Do you ever look at sports track? Talk, sport track? No. Sports track. I guess his contract website. He has a four-year deal. Three. So still in his rookie deal. So he signed through 2018. So two okay. more years left. I thought – I looked at – they guess they, everybody updated their websites and everything. They had – Rookies, three-year guy. He only has two years' experience, so he only has a two-year contract left. So maybe it could be a little bit longer than we think he'll get in there. But I still think he'll see some carries here and there. And with the diminished role in Coleman, there's a chance he'll could uh, sneak his way in there sooner than later. I think. Yeah. All right. So the next pick, I people are gonna call me Boise State Homer for some reason. I don't get it, but McNichols to Tampa Bay. Any running back that went to Tampa Bay this year drafted has a great chance to see significant playing time. First of all, you have Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Coder there, former Boise state coach, similar offense, similar um, verbiage, which is a big deal learning those extensive plays in the NFL, but their running back situation is the complete mess in Tampa. Doug Martin is likely. What was that? I was going to say no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Doug Martin's likely out for the first four games next year. Um, Jack Liz Rogers is a tiny running back who is good, but not going to take everything. There's even a point where, like, again, going back to fantasy football, Charles Sims is going to get a start one point last year. He did nothing for them. So I could – McNichols, depending on the Mar- Doug Martin situation, because he kind of dipped down as well later in the year, last season, injuries and stuff kind of hurt that team. Could a McNichols be a starter at some point this year for Tampa Bay? I don't see why not. I think the better question is: Is Mc, did McNichols end up like this year's Jay Ajayi? Could be. He had shoulder surgery and going to be out until training camp, so possibly. And I feel like a lot of teams are going to regret passing him up. You know, maybe he went a little bit later than I thought he would have, especially considering that there were, you know, other running backs who were getting picked before him. Like I, I was making jokes on on our Twitter about. Um, and, and no disrespect to Tarek Cohen from North Carolina A&T, but he was basically like, he's basically, you know, Donnell Pumphrey with half a step. And I couldn't <laughs> understand why that guy was getting selected first. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of McNichols, though, I think that, you know, his ability both as a runner and a pass catcher could make him a really interesting option if things break his way. Obviously, Martin's going to be the starter if he's healthy. But is he going to stay healthy? That's always the name of the game in the National Football League. Yeah, because there is concerns about his injury. Like it is a setback to miss OTAs, miss rookie mini camps, regular mini camps. So that is an it's going to be tough for him. But like, just who they have in the roster, it's like I I don't trust any running back. Even Doug Martin, like last year, doing fantasy football and stuff. Like who's looking for running back? Who's a good guy I could pick up? Like there was nobody I trusted on the team. And they did. They were twenty. I think my article. They were twenty fourth in rushing yards last year in the NFL, and they just kind of rotated guys in and out. And they're kind of like Green Bay, but Green Bay actually found the guy in Ty Montgomery later in the year to actually run the ball and get some yards. And so it's, it's. I think that's the best out of all the picks. I think that's the best situation. 
to see playing time sooner than later. Yeah. And then, uh, did you see Buffalo fire their GM this morning? Did you also <laughs> see that they fired everybody on their scouting staff? No, I did not see. Oh, my goodness. I did they not see that. Doug Whaley, the general manager, and they oh, fired man. everybody in the scouting staff, which is like peak Buffalo Bills. What? You would think that would be the Cleveland Browns territory. I, I don't know. <laughs> it looks like it wasn't a surprise, but, again, timing is everything, folks. The day after the draft, which is ice cold. Uh, anyway, I like this quote. I will hold on real quick. This quote: I will say that Doug and his staff did, did a phenomenal job. I'll just say that. We don't. We don't <laughs> think Tanner Vallejo was was the straw that broke Terry Pegula's back, do we? He wasn't the last pick. So I'm hoping not. That's true. Wasn't he the defensive MVP of the the uh, Fiesta Bowl a couple years ago? I believe he was, yes. Every time I look up his name, that's what photo pops up in our Getty Images search. <laughs> so I was like, sure, that's got to be a reason. Uh, I don't know too much about the Bills, and here's a tackle machine at Boise State, so he'll make he'll do good things. But it's around, what is that? Was he a round five pick? Is that 195, I believe? Uh, he was in round six. He was the 11th pick in the round six. I know he's 195. Yeah. Round six. So I'm trying to see what CBS Sports they graded every pick here. Let me see if I can find them really quick. Because I'm sorry, I didn't look at the Buffalo Bills stuff this time before I show. I'd like, eh, we'll wing it. I just happened to sell. Okay, so see those guys get fired. The they don't have a great defense. Like they have a couple of stars, especially on their front line. But their starting running, their starting linebackers, rather at this point, are really nothing to write home about. Like Reggie Ragland's in the middle, and he's fine. <laughs> Lorenzo Alexander, I believe they signed from Oakland, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, you know, Raymond Humber, who I've, I've never heard of, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Do they still have Mario so, Williams as defensive end? For him to jump in there and be a contributor. Because yeah, the guys ahead of them are really no great shakes. Yeah, CBS gave him a B plus. It says it's a good depth for that position in the sixth round. Yeah. And he's played a lot of football. Four-year starter, a little bit smaller for that linebacker. But if he plays outside at 228, that's fine. He doesn't need to be 250. Like the guy picked after him, Alquan Muhammad, or Alquaid and Muhammad, 250 defensive end. Like he's, Vallejo doesn't need to be 250, maybe 235, but if he's playing the outside, that's fine. Yeah. Next pick, a few picks later, Chase Roulier, the kind of surprise, the first Wyoming player taking because, or second, sorry, before Tanner Gentry. I kind of thought Gentry would have got picked. He did not, but he goes to Washington. Peep, they like his experience. Um, they need. He's got to be a backup, but him being center, wasn't he an AP, an AP All-American this past year? I think second or third team? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I do not know. I know he was an AP. I didn't know what team, though. But he was a 10th-ranked center. And what the main thing is him to get bigger and stronger. Because he's 6'4 and 312. If you're playing linemen or center, they probably want to get him to 330 maybe, if possible, which could work, but... Washington, they're an improve me, improving team because, well, Kirk Cousins keeps getting that franchise tax, so who knows how long he'll be there throwing the ball for them. But they they like to run the ball. I think, who's their running back? Um, shoot. Um, oh, well, right now, it? listed atop the depth chart is someone named Rob Kelly. Yeah, Rob Kelly. Yes, he, he came on late in the playoffs and did good. So I was trying to think it was. It's somebody different um, who didn't do great things all year, but – you're a six-round pick. Our, I think the real hope here or anal- analysis we should really say is that let's hope you make the team if you're a six-round pick. Yeah. Try not to get cut, guys. Sorry. But <laughs> but I think if he does make the team that he'll be in a nice role where he can be kind of a spot contributor and he can learn from a group of really solid veteran guys. Like, they don't really have anybody that stands out in Washington, but, you know, on the interior, they do have Brandon Scherf, who's, you know, more than played up to his first round status and you know sean lauvau who is pretty good in his own right so Mm -hmm. you know if he's playing along the interior of that line he'll uh he'll learn from some good guys in front of him for sure next the last pick we already talked about Devontae mays but i got one more one more thing about mays real quick what about mays because i did the math and if you remember our discussion about the speed score uh during our preview score during our preview so i did the math considering both Maze's weight and his 40 time at the pro day 
And if my math is right, it adds up to 115.22, which if you line that up next to every single person listed in the chart on Football Outsiders. Is so it on the wanna, chart still? <laughs> so, well, no, he's not on the chart, but if he were, and if you want to look at this chart for yourself, just Google speed score Football Outsiders, his score would have been second behind only Leonard Fournette because he weighed 230 pounds and he ran a 447. And when you put those things into tandem with one another, that makes him a lot more interesting. So that might have been what the Packers saw in him. Oh, that does. Okay. That's uh, great stuff there. I was just, it's still a baffling pick, but they see something apparently. Also, in Utah State, their recruiting um, Twitter handle just tweeted something out. Did you know, well, they haven't been, been in the Mountain West for very long, of the current Mountain West teams, they have the second most draft picks, 113. That seems kind of high, doesn't it? Yeah, they're always getting guys picked. Maybe they've never had any first-round picks, but they make players at the next level. They make good, solid guys. Yeah, Bobby Wagner crushing it, linebacker, man. Who do you think number one is, then? Who tops that list? In the Mountain West? Yeah, would it be maybe Boise State? But they haven't been FBS for that long. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. If anybody knows the answer, they can add us. They're probably screaming it at their radio or in their headphones. It's right gonna now. be this. It's uh, San Diego State, you dummies. Why are you disrespecting the Aztecs? Maybe we'll look that up later, put in the notes. But I just had happened to see that pop up here. I'm like, oh, 113. Interesting. Number two. I know Merlin also was, was a pretty good player too back in the day. Yes, he was. Also an actor, an actor on House, Little House on the Prairie. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, really quick, we're going to wrap up here, but we got some undrafted guys to mention, I think, that could make a team. Who do you um, – let me get the list in front of me here. There were – our list is pretty complete. There's at least, what, 25, I think, 20-plus undrafted Yeah, I guys. added some a little bit earlier this evening on uh, Sunday I, night. So if you haven't checked it recently, it's been updated with a few more names. Yeah, some tryouts and stuff. You know what player I'm surprised who has not been picked up at all besides Jalen Robinette? Terion Gibson has had nothing his way, not even a tryout as of now. It could change, but as of Sunday Wait, night, Terion Gibson. Oh, yeah, that's true, huh? The Lobo's back. I thought you were going to say someone like uh, Hayden Hunt. That too. Oh, punter, people, uh, our guy who always talks snark and puts hashtag Len bias every time. Mm-hmm. He actually, legit, legit, legit question Where's Hayden Hunt? I'm like, I don't know. That's a good However, question. there's a punter, um, the um, Ethan Wood got a tryout punter for going to Tennessee. Wasn't there mm-hmm. another punter? Um, we got Rigoberto Sanchez got a uh, signed a free agent deal with the Colts. I don't think was that the only kickers and punters I believe as of at now? the moment. Yes, at the moment there could be some more tryouts Monday morning, but I I don't know who um, you got like Ch- Chancellor Jones, James has two tryouts, which is pretty good. Niners mm-hmm. and Saints. So Thomas Burbeck, another guy, Boise guy going to Tampa Bay. That could be interesting. Jonathan Moxie, Tampa Bay as well. I would say Kevin Davis has a decent chance because the Rams are terrible. That so he has a shot to, do, to maybe make it to a training camp. Your Aaron Peck is technically a tight end now for the Packers. That's true. You think he has a shot to do anything in that offense? You know what? I heard I, I saw something on Twitter a few days ago where they were thinking about trying him as a tight end at the next level, which is kind of an interesting move because it would mean that he'd probably have to put on a little bit of weight in order to make that, unless they were planning on using him as like a like a Charles Clay type at the next level. I'm not totally sure what their intent was, but you know, Green Bay. Well, they lost. To- uh- Green Bay tends to get the most out of their guys regardless of what they're doing. They do. Look at their tight end now. They lost um, – oh, shoot. Who, they signed Martellus, Martellus Bennett from the uh, from New England, but they lost um, James Cook. Was that who it was? Jared Cook. Jared Cook last year had made some good catches in the playoffs for them, especially that one long pass down the corner, I remember. But they played – They'll play a couple tight ends. You got Aaron Rodgers slinging the ball around. They like to throw it a lot, so you want as many playmakers as possible. And if you look at Bennett, he's 6'6", 275. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) And he's also a 10-year pro as well. 
And so, like, looking at their other tight ends, if that's where he's going to play, perhaps, you have a Lance Kendrick, um, 6'3", 250, Richard Rodgers, 6'4", 257, Bo Sandland, 6'5", 252. And what's Aaron Peck? Do you have his measurables in front of you real quick? I do not, but I believe he's about 6'2 and 2'10", or 6'3 and 2'10". Here we go, 6'3", 214. So maybe, even if he's going to play like a Jimmy Graham type role, he'd have to put on at least 20 pounds. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, hey, if you ever have a team that throws the ball that much and you receiver tight end, you have a shot to make that team, I'm thinking. That works. There was, um, I know one guy surprised you did not get picked was Calvin Munson. Yeah, where'd he end up? New York Giants. That's not a bad landing spot for him. That's not, and they're, they're known to pick up guys like that because they had a guy from BYU, Lonnie Fua, who went there, mm-hmm. was injured, and he actually started like right after an injury. Like They hung on to him, so they seem to find guys that don't get picked and that could be potential starters on their roster. Yeah. And they also got um, Billy Freeman to the Lions, San Jose State, um, Christian Tago to Falcons. Where did Tanner Gentry go? I thought I saw him on here. He ended up going to the Chicago Bears. He's going to make the team for the Bears, calling it right now. <laughs> yeah, he'll be catching passes from Mitch Trubisky in no time. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, excuse me. Whatever, Mitchell. <laughs> or, or, or maybe alternatively, watching passes from Mitchell Trubisky sail five yards over his head in two years. Oh snap! Or who? Who's the guy they just signed to a big deal from? The, who was Jameis Winston's backup last year? Mike they Glennon. Signed, uh, Mike Glennon. Wasn't it a $40 million deal or something? I, it was something that they gave him way too much money. He gave him um, Matt Flynn money. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> it's going to be great. But he can make the – but seriously, like not joke around, but they're, Al, Alshon Jeffrey's gone. Uh, Brandon Marshall's been gone for a while. They don't really have a good receiver on that they, team. They, I, they, I couldn't name – who is the receiver? Do you know? Who's the starting receiver right now? Depending on your point of view, their number one receiver is either Kevin White, who was their first round pick a year ago, but basically missed the entire season, he, or, okay. or, or or Eddie Royal. Or, how old is Eddie Royal again? He's played the Broncos forever ago. How good is Eddie Royal again? Not no, good. No, no, Not how good old is he? <laughs> but they also have like Marcus Wheaton and Kendall Wright and Ruben Randall and... Like, none of those guys strike you as being the guy anywhere that they've been. So, you know, Gentry could sneak up and be a contributor. I don't see why not. There, Yeah, there's – like, those guys, like, I've heard of most of those guys. Like, Kevin White will probably be the guy. Was he from West Virginia, I want to say? Yeah. Kevin White. So, yeah, Eddie Royal is a 10-year vet. Like, Ruben Randall, was he a quarterback before at LSU? Or is he always a wide receiver? I believe he's always been a wide receiver. Okay, I'm thinking of somebody else then. But like they have guys who I've heard of, but oh, you forgot one guy, Cameron Meredith. Yeah, I don't know. He's who that pretty. Is. Oh, again, I played too much fantasy football and used him quite a bit to help, to, and he helped me quite as well. That's okay. where I'm using my information from. Played fantasy football and remembering these guys to say, hey, that's why I knew the Bucks would be a great situation, or Green Bay could be for running backs. Or that's both. fair. That's fair. But I'm hey, not I, I got learned. No, that's fine. But like Meredith, like he's probably him and Kevin White. Like, again, Eddie Royal, Marcus. They, they have guys who are named guys who you. I've heard of most of those guys. But to say Gentry's not in the same neighborhood, I think that's he is there. And then Kendall Wright, he doesn't have a number on the team, so is he even on the roster? <laughs> I think they just signed him, so. Maybe that's what it was. So, But, like, right now on their current roster, they have two, three, four, five, ten wide receivers on the roster – None were – they didn't sign – I don't think they have the rookies listed. They do have rookies. They did not draft a wide receiver. And they drafted Dres Anderson from Utah last year and then picked up Daniel Bra- Braverman from Western Michigan last year. So they got a lot of young guys. So we'll, I think there's a decent chance with that team and how really bad they are. Come on. Why not? Why not? Trubisky to Gentry. Come on. That's the future. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done here. Or do you want to just do a five seconds on 2018 draft? Or do you have anything you want to mention on these undrafted guys? Anything else? No, I think I'm, I'm good if you're good. One last name really quick, though. White Houston to Kansas City. Maybe. Tight end. Maybe. That could be something. Because their tight end, um, no, Fedora, Fedora, which is with the Texans. Um, you're whoever talking, they you're last year. Travis Kelsey. 
No, 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 no. He's the wide receiver, Travis. No, no, you're right. You're, yes, it's Travis Kelsey. He, if he can get split some time with him, maybe. Sorry, I'm getting names mixed up. I was going to – hey, at least I didn't say – um. oh, crap. What's his name? Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> okay, I'll give you credit for that, yeah. <laughs> I did not say him. I knew, I knew Fedora, which was – they played each other. Chiefs and Texans have played quite a bit the past few years. So, next year, are we going to be seeing Josh Allen number one overall? Come on, do it. <laughs> that is a take that is like that has freezing cold takes written all over it. So who would get credit for that? Adam Schefter, who somebody told him, or would it be Matt Miller from Bleacher Report back in February or January saying he was number one quarterback? Well, I thought we have who to like give credit to nameless NFL executive. <laughs> I, I agree too by saying, and they they also mentioned like we I found that clip and posted it online. Where he says, put it in the books. Pre-draft. Yeah. Not during the draft. Not after. Pre-draft. Yeah, people were also mentioning Brad Kaya at a year ago this time. <laughs> Where did he get picked? Sixth round? Um, he went He went late. I know that. Real, real late. Yeah. It was... To yeah. the Lions. Pick 215. So that tells you exactly how much you should take those way too early NFL drafts seriously. I mean, it's fun to think about, but saying that anyone is going to be the number one path or pick, lock it in, is like, that's a fool's game. Let me tell you a story about Ryan Lindley. Do you know who that is? I do know who Ryan Lindley is. Very One of the first quarterbacks at San Diego State during the uh, turnaround years where they actually started to get good under Brady Hoke. There was, I remember the day after the draft, they have all these 2018 mock drafts, which again, they're all fine. And a lot can happen between now and then. I think it was Fox Sports and a few others had him a first-round pick. I don't think it's number one overall, like they're saying about Josh Allen. And to be credit to other mocks around, they have Allen as a first-round pick, like a top five, which is still crazy to think about at this point. But Ryan Lindley ended up going to, I think, the um, Cardinals and was like a fifth-round pick, mm-hmm. which is still get drafted and everything is good. But just go from first-round pick to that, there, there's a lot of football between now and then, clearly. And but again, it's fun to think about if this league could get to reverse fortune from this year to next year to get a first round pick. One last thing here: how many times are we going to hear the uh, Carson Wentz, Craig Bull, Josh Allen comparison? Six hundred. <laughs> you know what I may do? I may um, email or tweet that the. the the solid verbal, solid verbal guys. They have their fantasy things where they mention a lot of random stuff like that. That's gonna be one of those things you hear all year long, especially does well. Did you know Craig Bull coached Carson Wentz at or recruited Carson Wentz in North Dakota State, and he went to the Eagles? Well, great. Yeah, that's they're a, both guys. That thing that the solid verbal has an award for, right? It's like the 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 fact that Brad Hammond or whoever will find. Oh, Tom Hammond. Yeah, Tom the, Hammond. Yeah, former. Yeah, the former NBC Notre Dame uh, announcer or color guy. Something like that, yeah. It's um, going to be up there. It's, that's one of those things. But the only comparison they really have, okay, yes, you're coached by Craig Bull. But also, these guys, there's a reason they, he went to JUCO uh, for Josh Allen because he was undersized and had a growth spurt. And same with Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. So can we do that comparison instead? Both both the guys grew quite a bit in two years or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't see why not. I think we're done here. I think we've exhausted every draft thing going over an hour on a post-draft show where we had no first, second, or third round picks. <laughs> we're dedicated, right? Yes, we are. Hope you, No, but seriously, hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe, give us a review, five stars. Um, I'll have some sort of sponsor in the show notes, so click on that. I forget what it is, but there'll be something there. Help us out because uh, – we want some, you want some guacamole money, right? Sour cream, um, extra carne asada, right? Never enough guacamole money in the world. <laughs> Never enough. So give us a review. Share the word. That'll help us out on that type of stuff. Uh, kind of the quick plan going forward. We're about a, within a month of doing our big preview shows for each week. But we'll have a show next week where I talked with a Jake Kokorowski about Wisconsin football and Utah State. We'll start trickling those in and out throughout the year, or the offseason, I should say. So look for that. And... I think we have one more fun show in us because we've never done our crazy Jeff Tedford Photoshop show, have we? And it's only gotten weirder. It has? Well, I'd have to go back and look, but I know there's been a couple of really odd Photoshops since we last talked about it. 
but we'll, we'll devote more time to it later. For sure. And if you see anything weird, give us a, let's make a hashtag right now. Cause we don't do mailbag or anything really. Should we do what MW pod? Is that simple enough? Yeah. If you have any questions, hashtag MW pod. And hopefully you guys do that because we want to hear from you guys as well. We got a few more weeks and you can tell us how wrong we are. If you love the show, if you're yelling right now about Team X had 122 draft picks, it's not Utah State, or number one team after, before Utah State is this team, let us know as well, because we know there's somebody out there who has that information. Yeah, that's true. So that's let's use that, hashtag MWPod, but that's our show for tonight. Stitch your, um, sound, uh, not SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. Hey, we're on TuneIn. Do you ever use TuneIn, Matt, for anything? Uh, I do not personally, but I hear very good things about it. I use TuneIn for the NCAA basketball tournament because they have a, during the first weekend, they have one channel dedicated to kind of like a whip around where they bounce from game to game and studio talk between games and during the game. So if you're driving around, basically like the Sunday ticket, um, MLB live look in, those type of things where they kind of bounce around. So that's why I listen to it. So if you like our show, we're on TuneIn, obviously iTunes, Stitcher, give us a review and um that's our show for tonight we'll be back next week for something else and as always yes we're biased to get your team folks